Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is your brother Hussein Kamani. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free, and your donation ensures we are always able to do so. Each podcast we produce has thousands of listeners, so the opportunity for gaining immense reward by supporting our efforts is endless. You never know who will be able to benefit from your donation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept and jazakumullah khairan. Assalamu alaikum. Now when Musa salam meets Khadr, this is a long story. They were traveling together, Musa and Yusha bin Nun, where they stopped somewhere to get rest. When they moved on, Musa salam said to his companion, I'm hungry. His companion said, oh, the, sh- the fish jumped out of my basket. Musa salam said, what did he say to him? He said, this is what we were looking for. What did he say to him? This is what we were? This is what we were looking for. So they went back to that place. They traveled on. Musa met Khadr. Now there is some symbolism, by the way. Some scholars have mentioned how Allah told him, Majma'al Bahrain, that you will reach the place where the two oceans meet together and you will find Khadr there. And the two oceans meeting together, some scholars say the symbolism could be Khadr and Musa meeting because these were two oceans of knowledge two bodies of knowledge. So there's some symbolism in the two and where they meet. When they do meet, Musa salam says to him, he says to Khadr, هَلْ أَتَّبِعُكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُعَلِّمَنِي مِمَّا عُلِّمْتَ رُشْتَ He says this statement to him. The translation of that statement is, هَلْ أَتَّبِعُكَ Can I follow you? عَلَىٰ أَن تُعَلِّمَنِي So that you can teach me مِمَّا عُلِّمْتَ From that which you have been taught, Rushda guidance. Can you teach me from that which you have been taught of guidance? Can I follow you? Imam Razi rahmatullahi alayhi says, اعلم أن هذه الآيات اعلم أن هذه الآيات تدل على أن موسى عليه السلام راع أنواعا كثيرة من الأدب واللطف From this ayah we learn that Musa alayhi salam had a lot of respect for his teacher. And then Imam Razi rahmatullahi alayhi lists out 12, 12 points of adab that can be deduced from this ayah. How many points? 12 points. I won't go through all of them. I'll just list one or two of them. Ahaduha, one of them. Annahu ja'ala nafsahu taba'an. He created, he, he presented himself an attabi'uka. He presented himself as a follower. Hal attabi'uk. Why is that? To show humbleness. Because a student cannot gain knowledge if they are, if they're arrogant. They can't gain knowledge. He makes it very clear. I'm here to study. Not only did he say, I'm here to follow you, he sought permission. Can I follow you? Again, showing you the adab. Can I be your student? Can I attend this class? May I ask a question? Showing the adab. This is how a student should be. He says, so that you teach me. Why is he saying so that you teach me? He's admitting to his ignorance. Because a student that doesn't think they can be taught anything, there's no point of them attending a class. If you already know anything, why don't you set up a class? I'll come and attend yours, inshallah. The student, in order for them to learn something, what do they have to do? They have to admit, jahala, that there's something that I need to learn. Can I please come? This is one of the fawaid. Similarly, he says, Mimma ulimta. What did Musa a.s. say? Mimma ulimta. Wasigatu. He says basically he uses this mimma ulimta, mimma ulimta, from that which you know, some of what you know. Tab'id. 
some of what you know. What does this mean? فَطَلَبَ مِنْهُ التَّعْلِيمَ بَعْضِ مَا عَلَّمَهُ اللَّهِ وَهَذَا أَيْضًا مُشْعِرًا بِالتَّوَاضِعِ كَأَنَّهُ يَقُولُ لَا أَطْلُبُ مِنْكَ أَنْ تَجْعَلَنِي مُسَاوِيًا فِي الْعِلْمِ لَكَ بَلْ أَطْلُبُ مِنْكَ أَنْ تُعْتِنِي جُزْءًا مِنْ أَجْزَاءِ عِلْمِكَ He says to him, teach me a little bit of your knowledge. It's as if Musa is saying to him, don't teach me all of your knowledge and making me equal of yours. Just teach me a little bit of your knowledge. Give me a little bit of the knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you. And like this, there are many other fawaid that, that Imam Razi, he lists 12 of them. 12 fawaid of seeking knowledge from this one statement of Musa alayhi salam. هَلْ أَتَّبِعُكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُعَلِّمَنِي مِمَّا عُلِّمْتَ رُشْدًا Now, Khadr immediately said to Musa alayhi salam, إِنَّكَ لَن تَسْتَطِيعَ مَعِيَ Sabra. This is what he said. He said, "Innaka lan sabra." You will never be able to be patient. You won't be able. You won't be able to be patient. Why would Khadr say such a thing to Musa salam? Why would he say to him, "You won't be able to be patient"? Imam Razi addresses this issue. He gives a very beautiful answer. Wallahi al-Azim. Today I was doing reading for this class and I was reading for a while and as I was preparing for this class and reading when I came across this passage I felt like someone like punched me in the face I was like whoa and I was like stop 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 and I put my I put everything aside and I said you know what, let me read that again and I read it a second time and I was like what is going on here Imam Razi rahmatullahi alayhi under the explanation of the statement of Khadr innaka lan sabra gave such an explanation Allahu Akbar I felt like he was speaking directly to me in this ayah, in the, in the tafsir. Should I share it with you guys? It's so beautiful, so beautiful. Allahu Akbar. He says, There are two types of students. Why did Khadr say you won't be able to be patient? He says, Razi says, how many types of students are there? Two. Muta'allimun laysa indahu shay' min al-ilm. There is one student who doesn't have doesn't have any knowledge. وَلَمْ يُمَارِسْ الْقِيلِ وَالْقَالِ وَلَمْ يَتَعَوَّدِ التَّقْرِيرِ وَالْإِعْتِرَاضِ The second one, وَمُتَعَلِّمٌ حَصَّرَ الْعُلُومُ الْكَثِيرَةِ The second student, what, is he ha- what has he done? He's already learned so much. He's already become a doctor, already become an engineer, already become an alim, mufti, sheikh. He's already learned so much. Now the second one, what he wants to do is he wants to go to someone who knows more knowledge than him so he can gain his knowledge. Do you guys understand the second one? Someone who already has knowledge. Imam Razi says this second type of student teaching him is very hard. It's very hard to teach him. Why is it hard to teach him? He says, because He'll always be in denial. Because everything he hears, he compares it to the knowledge he already has. Do you guys understand? Every time he hears something, what does he do? He compares it to the knowledge he already has. فَهَذَا الْمُتَعَلِّمْ لِأَجْلِ أَنَّهُ أَلِفَ الْقِيلَ وَقَالْ وَتَعَوُّدِ الْقَلَامُ وَالْجِدَالِ 
Sometimes he won't wait to even understand the truth of what's being said. He just hears the words and immediately objects. That's what the student does. They just keep objecting without even listening to what the teacher's saying, what they're trying to say, the point they're trying to make. They just keep objecting because since they've studied before, they're used to and comfortable in engaging in debate and arguing. And they think that everything they hear has to be in accordance to what they already know. So then, Imam Ghaza, then Imam Razi says, so this person, he just becomes one that's always fighting. This student, what is this student always doing? Always debating, always fighting. And this becomes very difficult for this true scholar to listen to. He asked this true, complete, knowledgeable scholar has to sit here and listen to this arrogant man raising debates for a whole hour. All he wants to do is argue, 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 because he thinks he already knows something. Do you guys understand? وَذَلِكَ مِمَّا يَفْقُلُ سِمَاعُهُ عَلَى الْأُسْتَاذِ الْكَامِلِ الْمُتَبَحِرِ فَإِذَا اتَّفَقَ مِثْلُ هَذِهِ الْوَاقِعَ مَرَّتَيْنَ أَوْ ثَلَاثًا حَصَلَةِ النَّفْرَةِ تَامَّةِ وَالْكَرَاهَةِ الشَّدِيدًا when this happens two, three times, and he sits there and debates with his teacher one time, two times, three times, what's going to happen to the teacher? He's going to start disliking the student. What's going to happen? The teacher is going to start. This guy just debates. This guy just fights all the time. Right? حَصَلَتِ النَّفْرَةَ تَامَّةِ وَالْكَرَاهَةِ الشَّدِيدَةِ وَهَذَا هُوَ الَّذِي أَشَارَ إِلَيْهِ الْخَذْرِ بِقَوْلِهِ إِنَّكَ لَنْ تَسْتَطِيعَ مَعِيَ الصَّبَرَةِ And this is what Khadr meant when he said, you will never be able to be patient with me. Because you have knowledge already. And every time you hear something, you're going to compare it to your knowledge and you're going to object. And how many times am I going to sit here listening to your objection? Am I going to deal with you debating with me or do what Allah has told me to do? I have so many things that Allah has told me to do, so many things that I need to do. Am I going to sit here and go back and forth with you? Or are we going to actually cover some ground and get work done? قَالَ إِنَّكَ لَن تَسْتَطِيعَ مَعِيَ صَبْرًا Allahu Akbar Now the two walked. There were three incidents that occurred. One of them, they went to a ship. They were out of port. They needed to cross a body of water. There was a ship there. The ship was ran by poor people. They asked these poor people, look, we're Molvi people. We're poor. We don't have any money to give to you. Can you give us a ride across the water? They said, sure. They were giving them a ride across the water. And while they were giving them a ride, these, um, these folks, they had to go do something, maybe catch some fish or whatever it was. Khadr came to the side and he, he punctured the boat. And he did this so water came in, but not so much water that it would destroy the boat, but enough. Musa salam said, why? Why did you do this? So Khadr said, what did I tell you? Don't ask. So he said, I forgot. What did, Khadr say? What did Musa salam say? And the truth is that he did forget. He was so caught up in the moment that he saw someone damaging another person's property. La dharar wa la dirar was a part of their deen as well. He said, how could you harm someone's property? And immediately he spoke out. Nope. So Khadr said, what did I tell you? He said, I forgot. So Khadr said, okay, you forgot? Strike one, it's okay. Musa said, give me another chance. He said, okay, come. Now, they moved on. They, um, what was the second part? Um... They came to, yes, they, came, they, they went on until they saw a boy. لَقِيَا غُلَامًا They came to a boy, فَقَتَلَ Khadr killed him. Now, before we get to why he killed him, I have one more discussion. Why, was this person really a young boy? This is a question. Was this person really a young boy? Or is the word غُلَام being used to make reference to an adult? There are two positions on the issue. 
وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ لَفْضَ الْغُلَامِ قَدْ يَتَنَاوَلُ الشَّابَ الْبَالِغِ Sometimes the word ghulam, which is used in the ayah, can also refer to a young man. Not a young man as in a kid, young man as in a young adult. Sometimes the word ghulam can also make ref- can mean a young adult. Some ulama have taken this position, while others have said that um, it refers to a young child. If a person chooses to use this word ghulam to refer to a child, then that's also appropriate because the word ghulam is commonly used for a young child, but it can also be used for an adult. Now, if someone says, why would you choose to translate this word as an adult? Why would you? Well, it's because of the ayah. Read the full ayah and you'll see. Imam al-Razi rahmatullahi alayhi says, um, Yes, here you go. He says, وَكَانَ إِسْمُ الْغُلَامِ بِالصَّغِيرِ أَلْيَقُ وَإِنْ إِحْتَمَرَ الْكَبِيرِ إِلَّا أَنَّ قَوْلَهُ بِغَيْرِ نَفْسٍ أَلْيَقُ بِالْبَالِغْ مِنْهُ بِالصَّبِيِّ لِأَنَّ الصَّبِيَّ لَا يُقْتَلْ وَإِنْ قَتَلْ So what happened is that how, he came, how the scholars come to this conclusion that in this, in this, in this ayah, it's not a young child, it was an, a young man. It's because Musa salam said, أَقَتَلْتَ نَفْسًا زَكِيَّةً بِغَيْرِ نَفْسٍ That did you kill an innocent life without it being in retribution of another life? Do you guys understand the, the argument Musa salam made? How could he kill someone innocent? He didn't kill anyone. So the scholars, they say this must have been a young man because if a child kills someone, according to no sharia will the child be killed. Do you guys understand? Life for life only applies if the person is, a, is an adult. Life for life does not apply for a child. Therefore, the, for, therefore from this we deduce that this ghulam was not a young child, rather it was an adult. The, both positions are there by the way. I just want you to be aware of them as we're covering the incident and the kalam the scholars have. Then they continued on, they came to this, this city, they were hungry, they were travelers, they asked the people for food, the people refused to host them. Khadr was leaving and when he was leaving, he, um, there was a wall, you know cities have walls, there was a wall that was falling down, he went and patched the wall, fixed the wall. Musa salam said that, why didn't you ask them, why didn't you take some money? You did this for free? We need the money right now. We're both broke and you could have taken some money, we could have bought some subway and had some food, and here you, created, you fixed the wall for free. So Khadr said, هَذَا فِرَاقُ This is the end of it. Three strikes, you're old, you're, three strikes are out in the old ball game. One strike, two strikes, three strikes, you're out. Three strikes are out. Now why did Khadr end the meeting at three strikes? The scholars, they say the reason why he ended the meeting is because Musa told him to end the meeting himself. Do you guys know that? What did he say to him? He said to him, huh? Yeah, he said, uh, that if I ask you one more time, then don't, don't entertain me anymore. Musa salam said this. So therefore, when he did it one more time, Khadr, while acting upon what Musa agreed on, separated. Do you guys understand that? He wasn't being disrespectful to a Prophet of Allah. He was following what the Prophet had said. Because if you can't be patient three times, the tenth time it's going to be the same issue. Musa is admitting that this is me and this is you and these two oceans are probably not meant to meet. These two seeds, these two seeds are meant to just meet, touch each other and go back their own ways. That's why the Prophet said, had Musa been patient, we would have learned so much more. Had he been patient, we would have learned so much more from the story of Musa and Khadr. Now, at this point, Khadr goes backwards and he clears it all up. He says, well, amma safinatu 
فكانت لمساكين يعملون في البحر فأردت أن أعيبها وكان وراءهم ملك يأخذ كل كل سفينة غصبة. On the other side, those, those people who gave us a ride, I didn't damage their ship, vandalize their ship to hurt them, rather it was to help them. And I did it, why? Because on the other side, there was a king there that takes all good ships. Maybe the guy had a fetish for ships. Maybe he had a collection for ships. Maybe he wanted to go to war. I don't know. So he was collecting all the ships that could carry able human beings. So in order to stop these people from losing their ship, I put a little damage inside the... Inside the Rahmukullah. I put a little damage inside the... Inside the ship. From this we learn that sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may put you in a situation where you feel like, imagine those people, the people who gave Musa alayhi salam and Khadr a ride. Musa alayhi salam and Khadr are off the boat, they notice there's a damage in their ship. Do you think they were happy or sad? Sad. Huh guys? They must have been disappointed. We're never helping a Mulvi again. <laughs> never gonna give a ride to a sheikh again. Never again. That's the last one. That's the last sheikh that's gonna come on this boat. But then a few hours later, a few days later, whenever they reached that king, and the king said, oh, we're not going to take your boat, it's damaged. Then what happens? Oh, the sheikh. I want only sheikhs on this boat. So sometimes you see a test from Allah. Sometimes you face a calamity, and what do you think to yourself? Man, Allah hates me. Man, I wish I wasn't sick. Because I'm sick this, because I'm sick that. Why? I wanted to marry this person. Why am I not getting married? And then five years later, what do you find out? That guy was a wife abuser. You're like, thank Allah. Whew. Save me from that musibah. Otherwise, I would have been married to the Jal. Sometimes you face a difficulty. And it's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saving you from a difficulty. That's greater. You only understand the blessing and mercy retrospectively. You understand, Malik? This is a very important thing. The second thing we learned, the second two stories... The second story, Khadr killed the child. Why? Because this child will grow up and cause corruption to his parents. Look, losing a child is a big thing. It's a very tough thing. But what's greater than that is having a child who is spiritually dead, who is spiritually void. Imagine someone has a child that's a kafir. So what's the, what's, you know, you would feel gutted. Look, if I had a child, Allah forgive me, but I'm just giving it a, a, a misal. Example, if I had a child who died, would I be sad? Akid, of course I'd be sad, I'd be hurt. If I had a child, and my child didn't, he was disobedient to me, or she was disobedient to me, but they were Muslim, what would I say? At least my child is a Muslim. On the other hand, I have a child who's healthy, strong, and wealthy, but they're not Muslim. What am I going to say? Man. How horrible is that? We make dua that Allah preserves our children with iman. May they always be Muslim, inshaAllah. Right? مَا تَعْبُدُونَ مِنْ بَعْدِ قَالُوا نَعْبُدُ إِلَهَكَ وَإِلَهَ آبَائِكَ May our children also say, like the children of Yaqub and Ibrahim said, that we will remain on Tawheed. وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ إِنشَاءَ ثُمَّ إِنشَاءَ So from this we learn, sometimes due to your piety, your righteousness, Allah saves you from fitna too. The last scenario we see, these children, the, the wall, the reason why Khadr fixed it was because underneath that wall, كَانَ تَحْتَهُ كَنْزٍ Underneath that, فَكَانَ لِغُلَامَيْنِ يَتِيمَيْنِ Underneath the wall, there was a treasure, and that treasure belonged to who? Two orphans. أَكَانَ أَبُوهُمَا صَالِحًا Their parents were pious people. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent someone to look after the kids of the, of the children 
Allah sent someone to look after the children of pious parents. Remember this. If you are a pious person, Allah will always take care of your kids. If you make dua, Allah will look after your children. If you pray salah, you do tilawa, you, you take care of the deen, Allah will always take care of your kids. Even if you're not there, even if you die, Allah will continue to take care of them. But if you lose righteousness, then their affair is left between themselves and the world. Allah have mercy on them. Khadr is saying that these people who barely fed us any food, do you think if this wall fell down, they would take care of the money of these orphans? These were stingy, miserly, horrible, miserable people. What would they do with that money of the orphans? They would destroy it. Those kids would have no money left at all. So from this we learn, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Musa alayhi on this journey. Again, there are so many reflections, so many things to learn from the story of Musa and Khadr. Just to close off, the riwayah mentions that as Musa alayhi became old and his death approached, one day he was at his home and the angel of death walked in in the form of a human being. And the angel of death said to him, I am the angel of death. I am death here to take your soul. It came in the form of the human being and what did it say? I'm here to take your soul. Musa alayhi salam whacked him. What did he do? He struck him hard. The riwayat of Bukhari and Muslims say, his eye popped. Now this angel came back and said, Ya Allah, you sent me to Musa, he knocked me out. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, go and tell him you are the angel of death. And that if he wishes to live in the world, then, and if he dislikes death so much, tell him to put his hand on the back of an ox and, and how much ever of the fur he holds, that's how many years he can live. So the angel of death came back and said to Musa alayhi salam, that Allah is telling you, place your hand on the back of an animal and how many ever strands of hair you hold, that's how many years you can live. Musa alayhi salam said, what's after that? What happens after those years? So Malik al-Maut said, death. So Musa alayhi salam said, then I'm ready now. There's no need for me to wait all those years if death is ultimately going to come. The ulama, they say, not the, some people, not ulama, some people they say, how can Musa salam punch an angel? It seems like a whack job story. It sounds a little fishy. Musa salam punching an angel and knocking his eye out. Does that sound normal? That doesn't sound normal. Ibn Hajar al-Asqarani, while commenting on this, because this is a Bukhari riwayah, he says, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not send the angel of death to meet Musa at that time, to take his soul at that time. لَمْ يَبَعَثُ اللَّهِ مَلَكَ الْمَوْتِ لِمُوسَى وَهُوَ يُرِيدُ قَبْضَ رُوحِهِ حِينَ إِذَنْ وَإِنَّمَا بَعَثَ إِلَيْهِ إِخْتِيَارًا He sent the angel of death to Musa to present the choice to him. He did not send him to take his soul, because once the time comes to die, Musa or not, you are going to die. Do you guys understand? The prophets of Allah, however, Allah sends angels to them to get permission. That can we take your soul? And when the prophets grant permission, the angel takes the soul from them. Why did Musa hit him? Because Musa didn't know that this was the angel of death. He saw a man enter into his home without his permission. Naturally, what do you do? You whack him. Because the Prophet said, someone looks into your home without your permission, you poke their eye. Now that sounds a little harsh. Don't go around poking people's eyes. 
it's basically it's tashdeed, taghleed, that don't do such a thing. You don't enter into people's home without their permission. You don't peek around. Some people, they're peepers. They, they look from far away what people are doing in their homes and they're, you know, they go to visit someone's house. Oh, the lights are on. Oh, I just heard the toilet flushing. They, they, they kind of like do a whole survey of the house from the outside. Not jais in Islam. Samadhi, you guys understand? Not jais. Not jais in Islam. He says, and Ibn Hajar then says, and this sort of a situation is also, is it possible that a prophet can interact with an angel and not know it's an angel? He said, yes. This happened with Ibrahim salam. Two angels came to him. He cooked food for them. He had no idea at the time that they were angels. Same with Musa salam. When he saw them, he didn't know that they were angels. And then he quotes some other examples. In the story of Sayyidah Maryam. And there are many other examples like this. The angels, the angel of death always seeks permission from the prophets. And this is exactly what happened with our Prophet The Messenger of Allah was lying on his deathbed. And the angel of death came and presented both things to the Prophet. Either you can live in this world or join the highest companion. And it was at that point the Prophet raised his hand and pointed towards heaven and said, Allahumma fir rafiqin ala. Oh Allah, end of the dunya. I don't want it anymore. I want to be with the highest companion. Aisha radiallahu anha says, he was in my lap and he pointed his finger towards the heavens and he said, Allahumma fir rafiq al-ala. And I started crying right away because I knew that hand would never raise again. When the hand started coming down, I started crying. Because I knew that a prophet doesn't leave this world until he is given a choice. And the prophet saying, oh Allah with the highest companion, this was him selecting his choice. Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam, he made dua to be buried near Quds. He made this dua. He said, Ya Allah, let me die and be buried near Quds. That's why the Prophet ﷺ, when he was on the journey of Isra and Mi'raj, on the journey of Isra, he said in there, I saw the grave of Musa ﷺ by the red hill. And he was in his grave standing and praying in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nabi ﷺ said, when I was going to Isra, I passed by the red hill and next to it was a grave of Musa this is the only description we have of the location of Musa grave. Near Quds, Red Hill, there's a grave. Some scholars have identified the location. Allahu Alam, Allah knows the best of it. And with this, we end the story of Sayyidina Musa We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us tawfiq to take lessons and to implement what we learn from the beautiful story. The story of Musa is mentioned most frequently in the Quran. Therefore, we spent so much time discussing it. But at the end of it, I want to be very clear. There is so much more I left out. I want to be very clear on that. I tried to cover the major points, but there are some that I didn't cover. And inshallah, we'll leave that maybe to, for you to read inshallah. Continue reading regarding their lives and their stories so you can be inspired and learn more. And inshallah, in our next class, we will continue. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.